Hello there. This is Breeze Bestiary, a doorway to the unsettling, the unexplained, and the unknowable. I'm your hostess and favorite semi-professional monster hunter, Bree Poitras. Thank you for letting me in. Before I dive into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I wanted to do a bit of an introduction uh, to myself also for the series. Uh, Breeze Bestiary started as a short episodic written series I'd been doing on Instagram for the last several months this year, and I decided to take a shot at transitioning it into an audio format. So here we are. As you've probably figured out by now, my name is Bree. I've been a big horror fangirl since I was probably three, four years old. Always loved specifically my monster flicks, ghost stories, anything with supernatural, paranormal elements. Just I've always had an affinity for these things. And it's only gotten stronger as I've grown into a somewhat functioning adult. So if you're joining me today, I can only assume you enjoy beasties as well. Scary stories, weird history, mythology, folklore. You enjoy these things as much as me, so welcome, friend. Thanks for joining me for this pilot episode, and without further ado, let's get to today's topic. Now, as you listen to this episode and hopeful future episodes, you're going to pick up on the fact that I have a southern accent at one point or another. I know it's probably more obvious during certain phrases or words or statements than others, but it's there. And you got me. I'm a Southern Belle. I was born and raised in North Carolina. I lived there for the first 25, 26, 27-ish years of my life. And so I figured it would be absolutely appropriate to start this podcast series off with a North Carolina tale. I specifically want to head to the western part of North Carolina, part of Appalachia, which if you know anything about Appalachia, you already know it's filled to the brim, absolutely teeming with ghost stories and legends. But in 1788, one small Appalachian town in North Carolina may have been terrorized by something much, much more dangerous than just some ghost story or some legend. Dillsboro, North Carolina. As previously mentioned, this was an extremely small mountain town. Let me put it this way. The town's never had a population of over 300 people at any point, even in the year 2020. So you can only imagine how isolating it was in the year 1788. That's when the Alfred family moved there. The patriarch of this family happened to be a doctor, and he was a successful one at that. The family seemed to immediately kind of settle in with the community. They had a nice large house. It was a beautiful manor, led to some envy and gossip amongst the neighbors. They could have absolutely sworn that the Alferts were some kind of old nobility or aristocrats. However, despite this wealth and the mystery surrounding them, everyone in the community was generally happy to just have access to a medical professional, as we all would. Things went great for a period of time, but of course, they can't go great forever. And after a couple months of practicing medicine in Dillsboro without incident, Dr. Alfred had two patients die back to back, seemingly no explanation. 
Now, these deaths are even stranger considering that neither of the two men who passed were being treated for anything urgent or serious. These guys weren't being treated for cancer or anything. It appears that they were just being treated for gout. Something to note about the two men that died while under the care of Dr. Alford is that they were very prominent, popular members of the community. So that led to immediate outrage from the citizens of Dillsboro, who were convinced that Dr. Alford had murdered these two gentlemen. That said, there was no evidence. There was nothing. There, this, there's nothing to support this accusation. No trauma to the bodies. They seem to have died for no reason. It was also the 1700s, so who knows what other health issues they had, but that's pure speculation. Of course, Dr. Alford was never brought up on charges, and after a few months, things kind of died down and seemed to go back to normal, more mundane days. That is, until the fall of 1788, when fear was really about to grip Dillsboro on a whole nother scale. Late one autumn night, a young mother was checking in on her sleeping children and all seemed peaceful until she went to check on her infant daughter. There, to her absolute horror, standing over the sleeping baby was a tall, featureless, shadowy entity. Upon realizing it had been discovered, this being dashed off into the night, leaving the sounds of a mother's blood-curdling screams in its wake. Once she had a moment to compose herself, the young mother, along with other household members who'd been awakened by her screams, approached the bed of the baby girl and discovered an absolute gruesome nightmare sight. The child was dead. Two puncture wounds on her throat and her tiny pillow was covered in blood. This infant would not be the only life claimed by whatever ominous force that was now hunting the people of Dillsboro. A couple of evenings later, an elderly couple was disturbed by rapid banging at their front door. Upon going to investigate, they were greeted by the sight of their terrified grandson, who frantically informed them that something had brutally attacked his parents and his sisters. The elderly man formed a small mob, and they headed over to the residence in question. And upon making entry, they found the bodies of a mother, a father, and their two young daughters. As with the infant girl... All four people had seemingly died of blood loss, and each of them suffered puncture wounds to the neck. Now, if you don't find this massacre quite creepy enough, then it should also be noted that in the days prior that several people reported seeing a bizarre, abnormally large bat or bat-like creature haunting the skies over the town. No one seemed to have any answers as to what this flying entity was, and they surely didn't have any answers as to what was slaughtering defenseless Dillsboro citizens. After the five violent deaths that had occurred during the fall of 1788, things got really quiet. There were no more shadowy humanoids, no more sightings of flying bat monsters, no more murders. Winter and the New Year came seemingly without incident, and people started to just get on with their lives, although a lot of families continued to abstain from venturing out after nightfall. This peace of mind they had obtained, however, would prove to be temporary. One night in February of 1789, screams suddenly jolted the townspeople awake. They were coming from the residence of a young couple who lived in a hillside house, and several of their neighbors managed to work up the courage to go and check on them, 
and as they approached the home, they saw a shadowy humanoid figure racing away. The group of concerned neighbors entered the house, but they were too late. The couple was already dead, and like the five victims from the previous year, their throats had bite-like puncture wounds all over them. Enough was enough. The people of Dillsborough were sick of living in fear and knew something had to be done. And as luck would have it, the good Samaritans who'd tried to save the young couple witnessed exactly where the humanoid figure had gone after trying to escape into the night. It appears that it had found refuge at the home of the Alfred family. Now, this is the point in the story where things get very monster movie slash Frankenstein-esque. All of the men of Dillsborough quickly formed a giant angry mob and marched their way to the Alfred Manor. They were greeted at the front of the residence by none other than Dr. Alfred, who despite what was happening remained extremely calm, but was also being firm in his refusal to allow the group of men to search his home for this being that they claimed they had seen slip inside. What ensued next was essentially a standoff that lasted several hours and shortly before dawn, the mob began to grow in size as people from nearby townships began to join in. They became emboldened by the new reinforcements and decided that they would take the manor by force. The group violently raided the home and subdued Dr. Alfred. They dragged him outside and tied him up as he pleaded for mercy and tried to reason with them. This, of course, proved to be an act of futility. The Alfred home was torn apart, and yet the mob found nothing, not even the rest of the family. That is, until they decided to make their way into the cellar. After quite some time fighting with the locks and chains that sealed the heavy door, the men made entry and descended down into the darkness. There, they found a mostly empty cellar, yet in the middle of the room sat three coffins, one by one, the group opened them up. The first two were empty, but upon opening the final coffin, they found what appeared to be the body of Mrs. Alfred. The men looked over her in disbelief and shock. And as they continued to gawk, Miss Alfred suddenly sprung awake and violently lunged at them, hissing like a serpent. She was subdued and brought outside along with her husband, the mob held a mock trial right then and there and declared that the Alferts were blood-drinking abominations. Then the couple, without further due process, was hanged from a large tree directly in front of the home. Once it was determined they were dead, their nooses were cut and their bodies were dragged back into the manor, which was promptly set on fire. After a night of what can only be described as supernatural vigilante justice, the bizarre murders came to an end permanently. To this day, there's no clear answers as to what happened in the small North Carolina mountain town. And we may never know the truth behind the legend of the vampires of Dillsboro. And that is our story for today. Thank you once again for giving this pilot episode of Breeze Beastie a listen. 
and I, of course, hope you enjoyed it. And of course, I also hope you'll return for more in the future. If you'd wish to follow me on social media for updates for future episodes, you can find me on Instagram at Bree Baphomet, and there you can also read the original written series that inspired this podcast. Until next time, loves, have a beautiful night and keep your silver bullets held tight.